Amen. Good morning. Welcome in. My name is Andy John King. I'm the lead pastor here at Lindsay Lane, and we are glad to see you this morning. This is actually Baby Dedication Sunday, and uh, we did all of that in the first service so that we could get everybody in. <laughs> so uh, if you want to go back online and, and watch that, we had Baby Dedication at the 9 o'clock. I think we had 11 families uh, that were stretched across the stage, and so we thank God for that. Thank God for their desire to, uh, to lead their children to the Lord. And uh, we also challenge the church as we ask questions of dedication. We ask questions to the church to, uh, will they come alongside them and, and support them and, and keep their children while they are discipled and all of the above, minister to their children through vacation Bible school and in groups. And uh, the first service said that they would, so I'm, I'm hoping the same thing for you. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 10, Leviticus chapter 10. And I want, to, uh, I want to preface this message by just, just telling you up front that this is a serious message. It is a serious tone. There's some depth to it that um, I know that we need. Um, but I just want to let you know that, that, you know, we're not going to laugh all the way through it. And that's all right because I'm not funny anyway. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to be looking at something that's... If you read it at face value, it's, it's somewhat difficult to take on the front. Um, but I believe God has, has ordered our steps. I believe he wants us to go through this today. So we're going to go through it together. And I'm going to ask on the front end as we get ready to read Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, that you would prepare your heart along with me to discuss God's holiness and our sin. God's holiness and our sin. So let me pray for us, and we're going to jump right in. Lord, uh, we need you, we need you. And God, we are who we are, and we thank you that you would make a way for us to be right with you, because truthfully, we don't deserve any blessing. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, make it plain today. Spirit of God, would you convict us of our sin and of God's righteousness? And Lord, help us to realize the truth that time is running low. And we need your truth, and we need your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. And they died there before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Nadab and Abihu were priests. And I know that I've pronounced their names correctly because I googled it this past week. So if you go there, you'll find that pronunciation as well. But they were priests in the Old Testament, and priests in the Old Testament represent God to the people and the people to God. That was their job. That was their function. They would make intercession on behalf of the people to God, on behalf of the of people for their sins. And they would give offerings as God had required so that they themselves would be right before God and so that the people they represented would be right before God. 
An Old Testament priest was an honorable position, but it was also a very serious station to uphold. Now, if we're leading up to Leviticus chapter 10, what we've just read in chapters 8 and 9 leading up to 10, what we're reading is an ordination ceremony. It's a a public recognition for priests. What what we've just seen before us in the last service was a a public recognition, a, a dedication before the church that they would raise their children up in the, in the knowledge of God towards the Lord. And what we see here in the scripture before we get to chapter 10 is an ordination ceremony where God is going to acknowledge the priest and their work as God is going to make a way to relate to the people and the priests have a great deal to do with this. So this is what's happening here in the context leading to 10. And, and this was supposed to be a celebration day. It was supposed to be a day like baby dedication or a day like deacon ordination where people are coming in and, and then it's exciting and it's supposed to end with everybody just feeling good. In chapter 9, Moses called together Aaron and his sons. This is the priestly line. And then he also calls together the elders of Israel to give them a message. And he says in chapter 9 verse 4, present all these offerings to the Lord Because the Lord will appear to you today. Like God is going to show up. And not spiritually, but physically, God is going to be among the people. And on this day, the priests were to wear sacred garments. They were to be washed clean. They were then anointed with oil. They were supposed to stay in front of the tabernacle for seven straight days and you don't leave it. And then within God's design and God's plan... For the atonement of sin, they would sacrifice animals and then they would present offerings like all of this is happening specifically according to the will of God as they are celebrating a way in which God has made for he to relate to his people. And this is all very meticulous. And as you'll see in Leviticus, one of the things that that book teaches us is that God pays attention to detail. And also, there's a very serious sense that the people of God should never approach God casually. Like like we just come up on in here, get together in his name, check off the box we've heard a word, high five, handshake, or fist pump, we go on home and eat lunch and go about the week casually. That's not how God's people do it. And that's what Leviticus teaches us about who God is and how he does things. And once again... As the ordained priests were supposed to do their work. The meticulous work, yes, but they were told and warned, this is how you do it. And if they would do their work, then this day, the physical presence of God would be among his people. And man, it was going to be awesome. A day to be remembered and celebrated. But the day that was to be remembered and celebrated for the presence of God ended up being a day that was remembered for his judgment. And both of those, his presence and his judgment, are born out of his holiness. Out of his holiness. The Bible says over and over that they must do what God requires. This is something that's repetitively found in the scripture before leading up to chapter 10. The Bible says, do everything the Lord requires. If you fail to do this, you will die. For this is what the Lord commanded. This was God's word to his priest leading up to chapter 10. God was saying, seriously, do or die. That's really what he was saying. 
Which means this. It's very serious what God is doing. It's very serious that God in his holy, set-apart, set-above state is going to relate to sinful old man. It's a very serious thing. So God was like, do it the way I'm telling you to do it or you will die. My wife brought home groceries recently. That's a weird segue, isn't it? But my wife brought home groceries recently. And before she went to the grocery store, and by the way, we call, I call it the grocery. Does anybody else do that? It, my wife, every time I say that, she's like, the grocery? It's the grocery store. We grew up calling it the grocery. That's a weird thing for me to think about right now. Regardless, my wife was going to the grocery store and before she did, I added one more thing to the list. So there was 24 things on the list. I added 25, right? She goes, she brings back home a, a trunk full of groceries, getting those things out. And come to find out, the thing that I'd asked her to get, she actually forgot. Now, in her defense, I do this way more than she does. She'll ask me to do something, and I'm like, yes, ma'am. And I'll turn my head and forgot to do it. She brings home all these things. But the truth is, she brought home 24 of the 25. So that's not a big deal, right? Of course it's a big deal. <laughs> no, it, it, really, it's not a big deal because she had done all that work and she brought home the whole list. But y'all want you to hear me. God and groceries are not the same thing. Did y'all hear that? God and groceries are not the same thing. Nine out of ten is good for us. Nine out of ten, in fact, is, is very excellent for us. To have it almost licked, but with just a little bit left, is just fine for us. But God doesn't cut corners. In his intrinsic perfect nature, he is holy. And some of us may think, well, that's strict. Somebody comes home with nine out of ten, and the parents like, you ought to have ten out of ten. We think that that parent's strict. And maybe they are, but it's not God being strict. This is who God is. He is perfect in nature, therefore will not compromise by 9 out of 10. Because 9 out of 10 don't represent God. 10 out of 10 does. So God is holy. And because God is holy, this selective obedience thing we do is not enough. Not enough. This thing that we uphold real high and tight up here. Man, we're going to serve God this way. We're going to honor God this way. But then this thing over here, that's just as Christian as the other. We kind of dismiss that and let that go. Selective obedience, even if it's 9 out of 10, won't work for a holy God. God told his priests, he said, do everything I require. So what did God expect? Everything he required. All of it. So this is where we need to pause for a second and have a conversation with ourselves. If God requires it all, and we're not able to do that, then what? If God requires it all, and he's perfect in nature, and requires that holiness to be in his presence, and we're not able to bring that to the table, then how is anyone able to be right with God? Well, it's very simple. It's very serious by the way that he is made. By the way that he is made. Now, let's stop and study God for just a moment. God is transcendent. Remember that $5 word from last week? He is transcendent, which means he is set apart and he is set above. But we also learned another $5 word last week, which is imminent, which means that God is involved. So if God is holy, set apart, and set above, 
but out of his holiness, he is also eminent, which means he is involved, then how does that work without him compromising his nature of perfection? Two things, truth and grace. Truth and grace. We talked about this last week. In the Old Testament, God's way of making himself available to his people, God's way of binding himself to his people was through the Old Testament law. The law was the written truth. In the law, you would find God's expectations. You would find God's requirements. You would see God's intentions. It would reveal God's character. This is the written down truth of who God is. But within that law were provisions of grace, provisions of pardon, provisions of forgiveness, Meaning that while the law was given to God people according to who God is and what he expected, God also included in that law sacrificial ways that they would be able to stay right and be ceremonially and personally right before God. Because God knew that when he gave them the law, within themselves they would not be able to keep it. So in his grace... He made provisions for their forgiveness. And if we understand that this all culminates in Jesus and the grace that he provides by his own blood, we say amen and are thankful for that. Because we understand that out of God's holiness, we get his truth and grace as it is presented to us as the way of being right and being in a real relationship with him. Now, back to the priest and the day of dedication. God... And his expectation was do everything the Lord requires. As we are dedicating you, priest, to mediate on behalf of the people, we are going to do everything that God requires. In fact, just as the Lord commanded is repeated throughout chapters 8 and 9. And what have we learned about what's repeated in the Scripture? What's repeated in the Scripture is what is important. So as he says, everything that God requires, and it is repeated just as the Lord commanded, that means that even the way you burn incense on that altar is important. If you remember back to what we read, God's fire of judgment took them out for what seems like on a technicality. But God's not 9 out of 10. He's 10 out of 10. It's possible that we are thinking... These guys messed up the incense, and they died because of it. Is that fair? Some of you don't like God already because you've read this one passage and not read any of the rest of them, and you hear this and think that God is unfair. Is that not unfair that he took these two guys out that were just what seemingly seems to be like they were just trying to do their best and do the incense like he said? Let me read this to you. This is from a, a pastor that I read and trust. He says, God has every right to dictate to his created beings how they must act. You see, we'll question God before we question people. Let me ask you an honest question. In your heart, when you read that passage and heard that, did you question why God did what he did, or did you question man? Did you question the motives of these brothers? Did you bring them up and say, he told you 15 times? Or did we go, God, why would you do that? You see, God must judge and he must give a standard because he's holy. Because God is holy, his holiness requires a standard. If that standard is violated because he's holy, then God must judge. Otherwise, if he lets it all go, then he's not holy. 
You see, all of this is born out of this one characteristic that he is holy. But death by fire? Is that fair? Let me tell you something. Our response to this passage today likely reveals what we need in our life. Okay? Meaning, if we think to ourselves, that seems very strict. Why would God not let them off or give them another warning? Or is this fair? If that's the case, more than likely in your life, you already need more truth and not, not any more grace. You don't need any more people to rub your shoulders and tickle your ears. You need somebody to slap you right in the face with the word of, of God. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Some of you are thinking, then let me add it. I like to do it, right? If we are always trying to make a way and make an excuse for our own sin and make room for the sin of ourselves or the sin of others, then more than likely we've come in here today and need the truth of God. So that, not so that God can ruin a good time, but so that we can get right with God. Or if you're on that side when you see everything or you hear this today and you think, well, they got what was coming to them. He told them and he warned them repeatedly, if you're on that side, then you need some grace. You need more grace in your life. Same as last week, because you're going to need it. Man, when the high and mighty start calling down on everybody about how they are going to get the judgment of God, and they need to get right with God, I'm telling you, you're going to need grace too. And it may not be in the next minute, but it'll be a couple minutes after, because that's who we are. Think about what your reaction was to this passage of Scripture on the front. In your life, do you need the truth of God or the grace of God? You'll need both, but your attitude may require now one more than the other. But just know this as we move forward. Cutting corners is not God's thing. That's our thing. Cutting corners is not what God allows. That's what we allow. And the truth is, is that's what we want. We want to cut corners because we know that we're not able to keep 10 out of 10. So we want God to give us that leeway to cut the corner. And also we'll twist his words around and say that he's not 10 out of 10. But that, oh man. And then we start to take grace for granted. That's what happens. We, we start betting on the forgiveness of God before we've even asked him. Or confessed our sins before God. What's that called? It's called selective obedience. Now turn to chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle. And when they came back out, this is after the ordination ceremony, this is after they'd made the sacrifices, after they had been anointed with oil and all the things that they were supposed to do. They came back out, they blessed the people again, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Sacrifices were made, offerings presented. All that God required was satisfied. The actual, glorious, intense, physical presence of God was among his people, church. God showed up. He was with them because 
the way that he had been had made had been fulfilled and because it had the whole nation was forgiven of their sin right with God and God was with them so because he is let's see their response when the people saw this the people shouted with joy and they fell face down let me ask you just 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 ask I don't even have this in my notes have you ever been face down before God before Ever. And I'm not saying at the end of this service you need to come up here and lay at the altar. You can if you want to because we would welcome that. Have you ever been face down before God? The truth is, it's hard for us to even think about that because we're so cotton big and prideful. We are so in and about ourselves to think about even laying ourselves before God when we get home in the living room. Especially not before anybody else. But while his forgiveness was over them and his presence was with them, the people shouted out of the joy of their heart and they lowered themselves. Two things out of this. First, someone here needs to see this. Why do I word it that way? When the people saw this, is what the Bible says. When the people saw this, the people shouted with joy and fell face down. When they saw it, what did they see? They saw the presence of God, which meant the forgiveness of their sins, that he was with them. And when they saw that, they shouted with joy, which is a fortified attitude that everything's all right or it's going to be all right. That's what joy is. It's been a few years ago. My son's 10 now. He was a toddler at the time. Kind of, kind of making his way out of the toddler to a child. We were at some friend's house near, nearby, and we were, uh, we were hanging out with them, and our kids were playing together. And all of a sudden, Davis runs out of the house, and he's gone for just a few minutes. And as we're just hanging out, all of a sudden, we realize that he has done this. And we're like, where is Davis? And so we look around immediately, and we can't, we can't find him. His presence is not with us. Pick up where I'm going. His presence is not with us. And so we begin to yell and holler and seek, and then we, we go outside into the night. We are looking out in the yard. This lasted about two minutes. It felt like two days. And we get back inside the house, and Davis is there looking at us like, what are y'all doing? And as soon as his presence was with us, because he had, been, he had gone out, come right back in, and we didn't see him. As soon as his presence was with us, everybody that was looking went, Oh, my Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Thank you. Because his presence was with us, all is well. There was an immediate response of gratitude and joy. Because we have realized what we have. What, where we used to be without and what we have now. And, and it just comes out in worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See this today. If you are here today and you are forgiven of God, no matter how you feel or what anybody else says, you're forgiven of God and the Spirit of God is within you, then shout for joy. Because all is well. How long is it going to be well? Eternity long. That's how well it's going to be. And for how long? That even if for a day or two, it's not going to be good. If you've got the presence of God in you, that'll take you even through death on into heaven. Man, they had realized this fresh and anew, that the presence of God was with them, and they were right with him. 
And their response, we're shouting for joy. You know, we don't often experience this, this all is well fortified attitude because instead of seeing the truth, we're seeking everything else. We're looking for everything else. We want this feeling to go away so we can experience another feeling. We're mindless of God because sin has us so distracted or gripped that we can't even see the truth. And some of us today need to see this. We need to see it again for the first time. Secondly, the appropriate response of God's people was voice up, posture down. When in the presence of God, the appropriate response, voice up, posture down. Elvis Presley was to many a singing God in the 1950s. I remember, I remember people in my own family used to tell us about Elvis, and some of them even went to see him. And I remember hearing stories of how people would act when he came around. Some of you are laughing because you've told these stories as well. <laughs> like, you know this. Some of you are even like, we went to that concert too, so. Look it up on YouTube. You look up, and I don't know what specifically it is, but be safe when you Google anything. Look it up on YouTube. You will find some of these concerts in the 1950s. Elvis is on stage, and you will see exactly what I just read in the Scripture. You will see voice up, posture down in the presence of the king. Young people crying, crying for a guy on stage. You know what else I saw? They covered their face in his presence. Covered their face. They screamed out loud, yelled. Voice up, posture down. He's not the only one that people have done that for. Why would I tell you this? Here's why. We can get there. I'm just letting you know we can get there. Think about how we treat people like this in our culture. Done this before, but I'll do it again. The most famous person in your mind that you respect, if they walked in right now, how would you treat them? Voice up, posture down. Oh my goodness, did you see him? Did you see them walk in? You'd walk up to him and try, probably to your face like this. You'd hide your face from their presence. Oh my word. We saw you on TikTok. In, un, un, unbelievable. <laughs> like we, we can get there, y'all. Maybe that's a weird way to communicate it, but when you realize the worth of the presence of God, that God has lowered himself, that God in his majesty, in his holiness, gave of himself. They didn't deserve, they did not deserve his devouring fire presence, but he gave it to them. All famous, all glory God. And their voice was up and their position was down. And when we have that in our attitude, when we have that in our disposition, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, that we can then offer a sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. That there will be no, we we, we don't have to make an animal sacrifice in here today. Y'all just come up here and sing and mean it. That's what that means. 
That we say hello and we reach across the aisle to welcome somebody to church and we mean it. We serve people here and out in the community in the name of Jesus and we mean it. That is an, a sacrifice of praise to God. And we proclaim through that when we are voice up and positioned down that, that we have allegiance to his name. Church, we need to get to this place of unified praise and humility so that God would be in our every gathering. Like he would be here. The spirit of God would be here amongst his people because when we will move ourselves down, we will elevate his presence up and God will be amongst us doing things that we cannot get the credit for, take the credit for. Yes, we've got systems. Yes, we've got volunteers. Yes, we've got decision cards and connect cards. And all that is, is a responsibility. We need it. But we need God's presence here. Over and over and over again, if we want to see anything what God would do with the future of our church, we need to welcome him by how we praise him, by how we position ourselves when we come in here together. Over and over. I heard a pastor this week share his story. He said, coronavirus hits, their church shuts down, things begin to loosen up, they come back. He said, I went back to church where people were starting to come back, but God didn't. He said, we were there together and God wasn't there with us. Y'all have read more about this in the last week, which means I, I know this is what God would have us to talk about today as he's confirmed it all week long. Even on baby dedication, we talk about sin and the holiness of God. But I, I fear and tremble think about, could we do this without him? Could we actually leave this place today thinking that we were in his presence and we've left and God ain't even been here? It's scary to think about, isn't it? I hope it's scary to think about. And Acts chapter 4 tells us of a prayer meeting, y'all. A prayer meeting. Not a worship service, not a conference, not a student get-together, not, not, not a... a concert doesn't tell us about a connect group night doesn't tell us about a fun fellowship it tells us about a prayer meeting and they got together in this prayer meeting and they prayed with dependence upon god with the desire to go out from there and reach the world and the bible says that the holy spirit of god shook that place and i don't mean figuratively i mean the thing rattled like that's that's the desperation of the church that we need in our prayer life and in our personal disposition before God that when we come together, we're going to come together on purpose so that God would do something in our midst. Like sometimes I just wonder, like when we come to church, are we hoping for a word that kind of helps us through the week or are we wanting God to come down? Are we wanting God's presence to be so real that the, as soon as we leave here, we hope for the opportunity we have to share? With what God's done in our life. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Nadab and Abihu disobeyed and God's judgment was swift. I want you to hear this. Nadab and Abihu disobeyed and God's judgment was swift. In our lives, God's judgment may or may not be swift. But y'all, it will be sure. It will be sure. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Yes, there will be a judgment of in or out. 
there will be a judgment of you've remained in your sin or you've turned from your sin and turned to God by placing faith in Jesus to cover your sin. And then there will also be a judgment of our works. Just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes the judgment. Y'all, there's one other thing I want you to see in Hebrews 9.27. Each person is destined to die once. God is trying his best to get us to think about death. So it should not be a shocker when it comes. He's, he's doing his best to set us up for eternity. And, and we are all going to die of something. Yet sometimes we live in this world like we're going to live forever down here. And each person's destined to die once and after that comes the judgment. We don't know the exact specifics of, of what they did to warrant God's swift judgment. Like... Scholars aren't even settled on this. If you go, you're going to see different opinions. But scholars speculate that they, they use the in, incense for personal motives. There's a verse of Scripture that talks about how when y'all burn this incense, don't do it for your own glory. You do it as God has told you to do it for His. And so basically there's some that speculate that when they burned the incense, it was like at this time where they took the opportunity as God was making Himself known, they wanted a little bit of that action too. Self-promotion type thing. And that's fear and trembling because we're all tempted by that. And then others speculate, if you look in chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, if you look at those two verses, you're, you're going to see that God immediately, after all this takes place, God immediately deals with alcohol. And, and he says to Aaron to never drink before going to the tabernacle, which would suggest that the brothers were drunk even in the presence of God. So I, you read it. You read it. I'm not going to get up here and talk about alcohol today for 50 minutes. We can do that at a different time. You read it for yourself. You just read it. All right? And I think what we can all agree on today is that if you, you come up in here drunk, then it's a sin before God. Anywhere drunk is a sin before God because you're outside of your mind. The Holy Spirit can't lead you. Now, that's, that's not what my opinion says. Come on. That's not what my opinion is. That's what's in the Scripture. And God was saying in chapter... Let's just read it. Let's go on and read it. Chapter 10, verse 8, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. Now, that's not the only thing that the Bible says about alcohol. But here and this time, for these leaders, before the tabernacle, they were to take it so serious that not one inch of their mind would be outside of God's Spirit. So that, that is just part of what their speculation towards. There's also biblical speculation that they were using a fire that was unauthorized. Meaning that they were, they were using a, a, a fire from a, a, a certain source that was not to be the source. They, they basically just doubted what God said and did something opposite of what he said. Regardless, God saw their carelessness, the irreverence of their heart. And all of this, and here's the point, God, y'all, God was establishing the way that he was making for his people to relate to him at this time. His presence was about to be among the people. God was setting all this up. And then those who were his official representatives as priests then went on their own and did something outside of God. Therefore, God saw fit to judge swiftly because he was not going to allow that 9 out of 10 philosophy to spread through his people. 
That's how serious he took it. But what do we want? We want to know the specific violation. You notice that? We want to know the specific violation. Like when we see headlines in the news and it says that there's a video, we'll click the link so that we'll look at the video. We want to see the specifics. Please listen to this point. While we're all wanting to know the specifics of these brothers, God's just trying to teach us the principle. He's just trying to teach us the principle that he's holy, he means what he says, his worship, because he's better than good, holy, is serious. So this is why we often struggle within our flesh. Can I tell you, this is why the Holy Spirit of God won't let you off the hook. Now, we all, man, we, we could all say amen to that. This is why God's Spirit won't let you off the hook. Every time I've blown it, and y'all, I hate to tell you, but it's been a lot. Every time I've stepped outside of God's standard and went my own way, God's Spirit every time convicted me of my sin and never not once when I was in sin went, ah, it's not too bad. Can anybody? Amen. Not one time has God's Spirit been like, yeah, there's kind of a gray area there. You should be able to get away with it. It's never happened. You know why that's never happened? Because God is holy. Because he's holy. That's why it, it will never happen. So if you're looking, now you can leave here and go to a different church if they're going to preach something else. And you can feed your ego and your philosophy. But you get inside this word of God and see if you don't find the same thing I find. That God's spirit and his job is to convict you of your sin and of God's righteousness. Uh, of your sin and God's righteousness. It's like I separated the church there. <laughs> Y'all are like, what did they do? <laughs> that's God's job because he's holy. And that's what his spirit does. These were not newbies either. Y'all need to understand that. As we're making our way towards the end of the message, this, the, these were not newbies. These, these were not like brand new Christians or new to the faith. They were priests. And, and they, they were men of a select group who had, had seen God on the mountainside, y'all. They had seen him before. Now, this is another sermon for another day, but they had actually been in the presence of God before, and it's possible that they had already seen that before. They had already been in his presence before. And eh, and now they've gotten back in their flesh. And all of a sudden they try him. Y'all, these were not newbies. They had been in his presence on the side of the mountain. When in his presence, the Bible talks about how God didn't kill them by his holiness in his presence. He allowed them to eat a covenant meal. This is all in Exodus. Exodus chapter 24. These were mediators from the people to God, from God to the people. Leaders and people of influence. And, and Lord, help me, y'all. This morning I woke up and repetitively just prayed as I thought about the message. Lord, I need this. I need this. I need this message. Make it real in my own life. Burn the scripture inside my own heart. Leaders and people of influence in here. If you are a Christian leader in the church or in the community, if you have Christian influence, other people, let's be reminded of, of 1 Corinthians ten twelve. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you think you got it, be careful not to fall. 
And don't forget what we read before. Do everything that God requires. If you fail to do this, you'll die. For this is what the Lord commanded. Y'all, it would be unfair of God if he did not tell them about this. But he did. He warned them over and over. And as we sit up here over and over every Sunday, and we talk about heaven and hell and sin and obedience. Someone prayed over me in the first service. They mentioned these words. Time is running out. And when time is out, you will not be able to stand before God and say, you didn't tell me. This is why we say this every day, every, every Sunday. We have a tendency, though, we want to defend them because we too can get there. We want to defend these brothers because we know ourselves and it scares us to think of God's swift judgment but it would have been unfair if he would have had not told them, but he did. You know, I, I, think, I think back to many times in my life when my sin burned me. And not one time can I think of where I went, God, you didn't tell me. No, it was I'm sorry because you did. Two takeaways before our final verse. Number one, don't forget who you're dealing with. We just, we just all need to hear this. I know I do. Don't forget who you're dealing with. I love this quote from a, a pastor, author. He says, People who come to Jesus with a swagger tend to walk away with a limp. And people who come to him with a limp sometimes walk away with some swagger. I wish I'd have come up with that. That's good. When we approach God selfishly, mindlessly, carelessly, we are a threat to our own well-being And you shouldn't walk around thinking that God's out to get you. But we should walk around knowing that he is holy. But also, if we have Christian influence, if we have Christian influence, if we are mindless, careless, selfish, then those that we influence will also be influenced, and God is going to stop that at some point. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, You cannot mock the justice of God. The justice of God is a characteristic of His holiness. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will harvest what you plant. In Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, this is after all of this has happened, God spoke to Moses with another warning for the priest that they must not enter the most holy place whenever they choose. Because they are approaching the presence of God. Meaning, y'all can't go up in there and do what you want to do. This is my show. God and his presence and his holiness cannot be approached casually. So, what I'm saying is, if they plant disregard for God, they will harvest destruction. If you plant disregard for God, you will harvest destruction. So the first thing is, don't forget who you're dealing with. Second, It's serious to serve. It's serious to serve. God's servants are to hold his standard because they are his ambassadors. Representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's both things in the scripture that the Bible says that we are. And casual observance. Casual observance is a misrepresentation of God's holiness. Aren't you glad that when it comes to our sin, God's just not like, eh, we'll figure it out. Are we glad of that? He, he, takes, he takes it so seriously, he gave his own son. And maybe you would say, as we talk about being a, a serious servant, maybe you're thinking like, I'm just glad I'm not a leader. I'm certainly glad I'm not an Old Testament priest. I'm glad I'm not a preacher, deacon, or group leader. Yeah, but you are. What do you mean? 
in the scripture over and over repeatedly because it's important. The Bible calls believers a kingdom of priests. We're looking at each other. It's all of us. And so if you think today with that, if you think Christian leaders take Jesus seriously, and we ought to, if we take Jesus, mission, everything that God values seriously, then that's how serious we should all take it. Sometimes there's days to preach simple. Sometimes there's days to preach serious, y'all. Finally, in chapter 10, verse 3, God says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. And y'all, we, we could spend more time on this passage of Scripture. And you can study it on your own because there's a lot there. But it's 1130. And we started at 1030. And, and we could go another hour and a half. Now, if y'all want to, we can stay. But I'm, I'm figuring y'all are going to eat chips and salsa in a minute. So, so we'll come back maybe at a later time or you take it from there. But in chapter 10, verse 3, God says, I'll display my holiness through those who come near me. Lord, would you take us the rest of the way and make this plain in Jesus' name. Amen. The, the people of God saw the display of God's holiness first by the consuming fire of his presence and then again by the consuming fire overwhelming the disobedient. Both are his holiness. Now see, we like one more than the other, but they're both his holiness. God does not conform to us. We conform to God. The fire of his judgment and the fire of his presence both come from God. This is the final word from me to you today for all of us. Because God is holy, he either accepts man by his offering or overwhelms him by his judgment. Let me read that to you one more time. Because God is holy, he either accepts man by his offering or overwhelms man by his judgment. God bound himself to his people through the law with the provision of sacrifice through the prophets. But all of this was leading to the ultimate display of truth and grace. That is Jesus the Christ. Because the animals were, were for a time. And those priests all died. Did you know? And the scripture teaches that. Nadab and Abihu, they died. Aaron died too. All the other guys died too. There's only been one priest that defeated death. There's only one sacrifice under God that is the sacrifice. That is the perfect sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 14, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins Romans 5, 9, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That means that while we were at our worst, God was at his best. And the Bible says, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Man, let's just read the word and go home. Amen. The accepted offering now and forever is Jesus. But just as certain is the judgment for the disobedient, for those who remain in their sin. I have to ask you a question as we close. At the end of this day, will this day be a 
day of celebration because of God's presence and your forgiveness? Or will it be a day of overwhelming discipline and judgment because you've chosen to remain within yourself? What will this day be at the end of this day? But what about your last day? What about your last day? At the end of your last day, will it be a day of celebration where your family is standing and giving testimony of your life of faith and your close walk with God? Or will this be a day when they're not sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? At the end of that last day, will it be a day of celebration because you know you're going to bust heaven wide open because of what Christ has done for you and you've accepted it with your life? Or will it be a day of judgment, eternal, because God is holy and you chose to remain within your sin? Why leave here without making sure of that? Why do that? Why, why would we sit or stand in our pride in a moment and think about what will others say? You know, what will others say? They're a sinner too. Truth is, when I stand up here and somebody walks that aisle and says, I need to be saved, I get it because I needed to be saved too. This is what God has done for us, truth and grace. And this is the way that you can respond today. Either you remain in your sin and, and casually go on out, or you accept the offering. Simply and seriously. And as a Christian, we can either take advantage of God's grace or we can worship our Savior. So let's close. Let's stand to our feet.